Hey, it's Claire Donnelly. Last month, Charlotte celebrated what's called Mech Deck Day. That's the annual holiday in honor of the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence, which was supposedly produced on May 20th, 1775, a full year before the Declaration of Independence that the United States celebrates on the 4th of July. Back in 1775, during the American Revolution, it's said that influential men of Charlotte declared themselves, quote, free and independent of the British crown. So today, in honor of Mech Deck Day, we're revisiting a 2018 episode from WFAE's Nick Delacanal, all about Charlotte's Revolutionary War history. So don't go anywhere. That's just ahead. All right, so today's question comes to us from listener Mark Doherty. He is not a treasure hunter, just a manager at a local computer consulting company. Here is his question. I'm curious, knowing that Charlotte played a role during the Revolutionary War, I would expect to see some neighborhood or some sites related to that war, like Boston's North End comes to mind because I'm from New England. Right. So maybe you've seen the plaques and the markers around town that talk about the historic buildings that used to be here, but aren't anymore. So do we have any left? And if so, where? Well, today on the podcast, we are going to search out the answer to that question. And there's no better place to start than with Scott Seifert. He's a historian, a Charlotte native, and author of two books on Charlotte history. And I thought it would be best to start by asking him just to lay out what was even here in 1770 Charlotte. So Charlotte in the period, the revolutionary period, was a frontier town. And it was settled by Scots-Irish Presbyterians living here in the woods. And so centered around Charlottetown or Charlottesburg or Charlottesville, which is called all these different things and different maps have different place names for it, Hmm. um, was maybe 20 log cabins. One or two may have been painted, but most were not. And most of the prosperous uh, settlers lived in different parts of the county. So, yeah, in short, we weren't much. Just a few dirt roads, some wood cabins, at least two pubs and a jail. And in the center, we had a wooden courthouse that doubled as a market. Seifert says there can have been more than a couple hundred people here. And it was really quiet. So if I was if I was riding into town on one of those dirt roads or whatever, I yeah. guess they were dirt back then, right? Yeah, that's right. Of course. Yeah. What kinds of like sounds might I hear? You would not have heard much because, you know, you, again, this was the frontier. You might hear gunshots going off. People were shooting for fun, which was very dangerous. And they, the Colonial Assembly <laughs> passed laws to keep them from doing that. You might hear horses, but that's it. It was a quiet frontier place, which is, of course, why the people moved here in the first place. He says our village was attractive to those people who wanted to get out of the noisy cities and just find a nice, quiet place to live. In fact, the county's motto back then was, I kid you not, leave us alone. Seriously, that's real. It's on a plaque outside the old courthouse in Uptown. But anyway, back to the question at hand. Well, if there were all these buildings back in our charmingly quiet Revolutionary War era Charlotte, uh, where have they all gone? Like, what happened to them? Well, remember, these are just old wooden log frame structures. So I'll give you two examples. So Thomas Polk's house. So Thomas Polk, who was the settler of, of town, 
his house on what is now the Bank of America Corporate Center lot, oh. right, was the biggest tourist attraction in Charlotte until about 1905, let's say. And there's old pictures you went and visited Tom Polk's house because Cornwallis had stayed there and used it as headquarters when the British occupied Charlotte in the fall of 1780. So it's old, but it's an old dilapidated looking structure. And of course, you see Charlotte now, the bank had that building. And how long is that? Those sorts of buildings all are just taken down or are no longer functional. So that, that's a major one. I mean, how amazing would that be if they kept that, like Paul Revere's house, if they preserved that? Or there was the McIntyre Farm on Beatty's Ford Road. And there was the Battle of the Bees, it was called, mm-hmm. uh, where the British soldiers were shot at and they said, this is a damned hornet's nest. Well, that building, we've still, still got pictures of it, survived until about the 1920s. And that would be really cool if it was still around. But, you know, the thinking of the time was, why do we have these old buildings? They're not safe. Uh, or they burned down. That's the fire destroyed a lot of these things, too, including the Alexander House, where all the Mech Deck documents were kept. So for various reasons, through fire or neglect or redevelopment, um, we've really just lost all of that history. Like Seifert said, a lot of those wood frame buildings just did not stand the test of time, be it from fire or neglect or redevelopment. But there is at least one building that we know of that's remained through all of this, That's right, at least one building that still stands. Coming up, we take a field trip. Stay with us. That's just ahead. Hey folks, if you're looking for another podcast that explores life in Charlotte, I recommend listening to WFAE's newest podcast, Work It!, If you're from North Carolina, you may remember Work It being the winner of the 2019 Queen City PodQuest, where more than 300 Charlotte-area podcast pitches were submitted and voted on by the community. On each episode of Work It, hosts Stephanie Hale and Jill Beers follow their curiosities underneath the job and into the complex identities of the people we encounter in our everyday lives. From carpet layers to lawyers, barbers to burlesque performers and beyond. Gain a new perspective on Charlotte work and life. Listen to Work It on Apple Podcasts, NPR One and WFAE.org slash Work It. Okay, we're back. And before the break, we were just about to find out about a Revolutionary War era building in Charlotte that was not torn down by developers or did not burn or collapse on itself. And we find it on a small patch of land about five miles east of Uptown, conveniently right behind the Charlotte Museum of History. Wow. It's a two-story house constructed of stone built in 1774. That's one year before the start of the war. And it was built by a guy named Hezekiah Alexander. We know he was a wealthy blacksmith and a patriot, and he lived on the property with his wife, his 10 children, and a number of enslaved people. It's about the size of like a modern day home, really. It's, yeah, it's larger than my house. Um. <laughs> That's Adria Folkt, president and CEO of the Museum of History. She says local historians have done a great job of learning about this home, what it was like, who lived here, but the house still has one mystery that no one seems to have been able to solve. So you see above the lintel here, or rather the, the keystone I do. above the window. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of these little carvings around 
um, that are said to be Masonic. And you'll have groups of Masons that'll come through and they'll say, oh, I know what that is, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Can they um, tell you what it is? Well, we, so we have some information about um, some interpretations of what these could be. And we've even heard the story that this was built really to represent a Masonic lodge so that a lot of the symbols are representative of, you know, an, a, one, one Mason could tell another, this is the lodge. Um, this is where secret meetings would be held. All questionable, <laughs> but it makes for good storytelling. So That is very mysterious. Wow, <laughs> cool. Folks takes me inside where period furniture has been arranged just as it would have been. There's a loom for weaving, a table and chairs for dining, a desk and an old grandfather clock. And if you're wondering at this point, why this building? Why is this the one that lasted so long? Folks says the answer might be in its durable stone walls. Ultimately, the structure itself was built to last, and it has. This was really meant to last for multiple generations. I don't think that they ever thought people would be bringing tour groups through here. Um, but about 90% of the original architectural material is what you're looking at today. And thanks to groups like the Daughters of the American Revolution, which helped restore the house in the 50s, and later the Good Preservationists at the Museum of History, we still have it today. And in good enough condition that a group of school kids can check it out on just about any weekday. So back now to Mark, our listener. Yeah, so it's this little stone house that uh, has Masonic carvings behind the Museum of History. And I guess that's pretty much the closest thing we have to like a Paul Revere house or something like that. That is interesting. The whole Masonic thing. You know what, Nick? Mm-hmm. I think you got a lead in for your next story. Ah, uh, yeah, I think so. That is ripe for a follow-up. That's it for now, though if you are a Masonic Rune interpreter, please get in touch with us. We would love to hear from you. In the meantime, thanks to Scott Seifert, our historian. We've put links to his two books on our website. Also, thanks to the Charlotte Museum of History and to Historic Lada Plantation, which helps apply some of the sounds of muskets in this episode. Also, we've compiled a list of honorable mentions. That is, buildings around Charlotte that are close to Revolutionary War era, but maybe just aren't quite there. You can check out that list on our website, wfae.org slash faqcity. And we hope you will subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or give us a little heart on the NPR One app. And also, as always, please send in your own question about whatever it is about Charlotte you've been wondering about. You can submit that at wfae.org. And who knows, we may just find an answer on an upcoming episode. Until next time, I'm Nick Delacanal. Thanks to WFAE's Nick Delacanal for that great episode, and happy belated Mech Deck Day. Until next time, I'm Claire Donnelly.